Hi, SIB KL. Hi, SIB Skyline. I'm preaching the same message to both of my favorite churches. Praise the Lord. Welcome to this sermon. And uh, I want to say that for those of you in SIB KL, you know that we have been starting on a series on the book of Revelations. And for the majority of this year, we shall be preaching from the book of Revelations. Uh, registration for the series opened uh, just recently. And if you want to register, this is the link. And uh, I will be doing the study on the book of Revelation verse by verse from chapter 4 to chapter 22 from uh, May the 8th to the 31st of July every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. So much for the commercial. Let me pray. Father, I want to commit this time to you that even as we look into your word again, I submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, that you help me communicate what you have downloaded in my spirit, man, to your church, Father Lord, and to whoever is listening. And we pray that this word will be meaningful and it will encourage us and edify us to want to remain faithful to you, Lord, to the very end. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you all today Jesus' letter to the church at Pergamum. So let me read from Revelations chapter 2, verse 12 to verse 17. Revelations chapter 2, verse 12 to verse 17. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write. All these are in red letters, meaning these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, says Jesus. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold on to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. May the Lord add his blessing in the reading of his word. When I did the introduction to the seven churches about a month ago, those of you from SIBKL would remember me showing you this map. This map of the seven churches located 
in Asia Minor, which is at present Turkey. You would remember me saying this to you, that we must study the seven churches in relation to the church at Pergamum. Why? Why did I say that? The reason is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, and the first part of verse 13. Jesus says, To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. The reason why we must study the seven churches in relation to the church at Pergamum because this verse tells us that Pergamum is the place where Satan lives. It's the place where Satan has his throne. At that time, Satan rules and reigns from Pergamum and its effect it had on the other six churches. You would remember, those of you from SIBKL, I asked you this interesting question. Where do you think Satan lives today? Why? Because Satan is not omnipresent. He can only live in one place at one time. And I told you to light up the chat room, right? It's very interesting that quite a number of you wrote down Malaysia. Serious, huh? I would like to ask you why you think Satan has his throne in Malaysia. But Satan has his throne in Pergamum. And I showed you this picture of the temple of Zeus now relocated to the Pergamon Museum in Berlin. This archaeological masterpiece was shifted in the early 20th century to Berlin, and it was in this temple of Zeus that the throne of Satan was located. And I said, that was probably the reason why Hitler from Berlin started World War II. I don't believe that the throne of Satan is now in Berlin. That's the reason why I ask you, where do you think is the throne of Satan now? It's anybody's guess. I also want to reiterate this, that when we study the Jesus' letter to the seven churches, not only was it applicable at that point in time, but it is also applicable now. Now, how do I know this? I want to refer you to an archaeological document called the Miratorium Fragment. This Miratorium Fragment originated around CE or AD 170, about 70 years after John the Apostle passed away. This Miratorium Fragment is very important on two counts. Number one, this is the oldest document that we have 
that lists down the books of the New Testament. But more important than that, in the Meritorium fragment, it describes something about every book of the New Testament. And when it comes to the Revelation and the letter to the seven churches, in page 55 of the Meritorium fragment, it says this, For John also, in the Apocalypse, though he writes to seven churches, nevertheless speaks to all. In other words, Jesus' letters to the seven churches speaks to you, speaks to me, and is relevant even today. So what is Jesus' message to the church at Pergamum? I will share with you under the following headings, the address, the approval, the accusation, the appeal, the advice, the assurance, all of Jesus Christ to you and to me. And I want to say this even before I continue. SIBKL, SIB Skyline, can we hear well what Jesus has to say to my church, our church, and to your church? How did Jesus address himself to the church of Pergamum? Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Very interesting. Here, Jesus identifies himself to the church of Pergamum, and there's a very good reason for this, and I will share to you very shortly why. Jesus identified himself as the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. And of all the churches, this is the only church where Jesus identifies himself as such. But what is a sharp, double-edged sword? Well, many of you will know this. It is a word of God. How do I know that? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. But you say, Pastor, this verse only tells us that the, the, the Word of God is like a double-edged sword, ma. True. These are the purists. Let's reference and counter-reference to Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus appears a second time. And when Jesus appears a second time in Revelation 19 verse 13, He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Two verses down, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. So what comes out of Jesus' mouth? The sword. What is the sword? The Word of God. So here, and of course in Ephesians chapter 6, we all know that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. 
Here, Jesus, interestingly, identified himself specifically and distinctively to the church at Pergamum as the one with the word of God, the double-edged sword. Why? There are two main challenges that the church at Pergamum faced at that time. The first challenge, they overcame. But unfortunately, the second challenge, they were overcome. What was the first challenge that the church at Pergamum overcame? And, and I want to say this, especially to those of you at SIBKL. You know, when we started this year, the Lord gave to the leadership the theme for this year. In the midst of all the global challenges that we have, especially with the new presidency of the United States and with all kinds of events, the pandemic, everything that is happening in the world today, there are a lot of challenges economically, politically, even our own nation. So the Lord said, Tell the church, and I'm saying this to you, Skyline, as well, we must overcome. So the theme for this year for us is together we overcome. Come on, say this with me, every one of you. Whether you are at home or whether you are sitting in a sitting room, everybody say this with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. Together we overcome. One more time. Are you ready? One, two two, three. Together we overcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was very, very good. What was the first challenge that they overcame? And this is the approval. They overcame persecution. They overcame persecution. How do we know that? Revelations chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 13. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write. These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, Jesus says, where Satan has his throne. Yet, aha, see, this is the approval. Commendation. You remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, Jesus says. Praise the Lord, this is so good. You're a wonderful church. Not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So right at the beginning, we see the commendation, the approval of Jesus to this church. They remain true to the name of Jesus, and they did not deny the Lord. Can we say this of SIBKL? Can we say this of SIB Skyline, my friend? That no matter what, we will not deny the Lord. You know, I said this to my own church and I repeat it again. Recently, when I spoke to my staff and my pastors and I keep saying, I don't know why, the Lord kept reminding me, say it many times and tell the people, 
and leaders remain faithful to the Lord. And I told my pastors, I fear, I fear for you. Why? Because in the midst of challenges, I fear that you will give in. I fear that you'll renounce the name of the Lord. I fear that you will give up. I fear that you renounce your faith. I really fear that. And, and I want you to cross the finish line with me. Genuinely. I don't know why. And I want to say this again to you. SIBKL and Skyline, no matter what, we must remain true to the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot renounce our faith. And the church of Pergamum stayed true to the Lord. It is very interesting that the phrase, you did not renounce your faith in me, in verse 13, is in the aorist tense, meaning it was an event that happened once in the past, never repeated again. In other words, Jesus is now saying to the church at Pergamum, you are so good. You remain true to the testimony of me, of Jesus. You did not renounce your faith in me in the midst of persecution. In fact, one of your member, Antipas, and Jesus calls him, my faithful witness, was martyred. Credit to you. Um, I don't know what is the political inclination of Antipas, which means like a father. So like a father, Antipas gave his life for his spiritual children. I do not know what political inclinations Antipas has, but I'm very sure he was not Antipas. I better move on. The key is this. They remain firm. They remain faithful. That was in the past. It's in the oris tense. But what happened now? They gave in and were overcome by the second challenge. And what was the second challenge? Wow. Let me read. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. This is the accusation of the Lord. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, says Jesus. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, verse 15, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. In other words, there were two challenges that the church at Pergamum faced. One challenge, they succeeded to overcome. The second challenge, they didn't succeed, they were overcome 
And the second challenge is a challenge of false teaching. The doctrine of Balaam and the teachings of the Nicolaitans. What is the doctrine of Balaam? Before I, I go into the explanation of the doctrine of Balaam, can I say this? If you now look back at the address of Jesus specifically to this church, now you understand why Jesus should want to address and identify himself to this church as the one who has the double-edged sword, the Word of God. Why? Because that was their problem, you see. How do you counter false teaching? The true Word of God. So that is a reason why of all the characters of Jesus, Jesus zero in on himself as the one who has the sharp double-edged sword. Why? Because the Word of God is the one that not only builds, edifies, restores, heals, but it also cuts. Like a surgeon's knife. Like the surgeon's scalpel. So when Jesus comes as the Word of God, He is there not to cut them off, but to heal them. Like the surgeon's knife, to remove the cancer, if you like, of false teaching. That's why Jesus says, I am the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. In the end days, a lot of churches will come under false teaching. And sadly, a lot of churches will succumb and give in to it, lured by it with all these attractions. SIBKL, SIB Skyline. Let us not be one of those that give in. Let us remain true and faithful to the Word of God. What is the doctrine of Balaam? If you want to know more about it, it's found in Numbers chapter 22, 23, and 24. But suffice it to say that the doctrine of Balaam is the doctrine of the infiltration of the church with sexual immorality and worldliness for monetary gain through false teaching. In other words, what happened in Numbers 22, 23, 24 was that the king of Balaam commissioned, the king of Moabite, the king of Moab brother, commissioned Balaam to curse Israel. But every time Balaam opened his mouth to curse Israel, blessings came forth. He went back again. And the king of Moab said, I give you more money. Lah. I give you money. Do it again. Three times. Balaam tried to open his mouth to curse Israel. But every time, blessings came out. So he failed. Aha! Balaam never gave up. So he advised the king of Moab 
of a different strategy. This time, infiltrate the ranks of the camp of the children of Israel with Moabite women. Seduce them. And they succeeded. The men of the Israeli camp fell into sexual immorality and worldliness. The doctrine of Balaam, my friend, it's a doctrine whereby the evil one infiltrates the church with worldliness, false teaching, prosperity gospels and all kinds of teaching to attract you for worldly material monetary gain, for popularity, all under the cover of godliness. I want to say this in passing, that this false teaching and this challenge is very relevant to us as the entire evangelical body now grapples with one of the most catastrophic betrayal in Christendom ever. From a well-known apologist. Where do we stand? Can I say this in passing? I do not believe that the teaching of this apologist is wrong. No, it is not false teaching. If you hear his messages, it's very accurate, very, very biblical. There's nothing false in his teaching. You see, it's an issue of a fallen teacher, not a false teacher. We have to distinguish between a fallen teacher and false teaching. In this case, it's an issue of morality. But you say to me, Pastor, does the messenger validate the message? Yes, it does. The credibility of the message is predicated on the credibility of the messenger, unfortunately. But in this case, the Pergamum church was bombarded by the doctrine of Balaam and they gave in. But what is the teaching of the Nicolaitans? I refer you to this book by Robert B. Thompson on the deeds and doctrines of the Nicolaitans. It is false teaching that integrates the laity with the clergy so that they conspire to deceive the church. Serious? Yes. In other words, the entire leadership of the organization, the entire leadership of the church has only one agenda, deceive the sheep for material gain. And this year, the laity conspire with the clergy, the teaching of the Nicolaitans, under the guise of godliness. Listen to me, we have to be very careful that we don't succumb to this temptation. That's why 
Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 16, the appeal, the appeal, repent, repent. Jesus says, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What is the sword of his mouth? The word of God. The whole crux of the letter to the church of Pergamum is the word of God, the true word of God that counters false teaching. Listen to you, listen to me, my friend. Especially, I'm saying, speaking this to SIBKL and SIB Skyline. Our churches are well known for our pulpit preaching. We are known by preaching well and teaching well from the pulpit. Can I encourage you? Let's continue. Let's not dilute the word. Let's not compromise on the word and give in to placate and please people so that we preach what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. I, those of you from SIBKL would remember. In the year 2006, when we opened our premise at Bagunan Yin, and I repeated this same gesture when we launched and and opened our second premise at SMCC. One of the first things I did, and this is a record of that moment, I got all my pastors to come out and we kneel. I'm sure, I don't know how many of you remember this. Those of you who have been with me for many, many years now, maybe the last 15 years or 20, 15 years, will remember this moment when we held our hands together and we knelt before the pulpit. Why? Why? Because I know the sacredness of the pulpit. And we promise before God and before you and all the congregations stretch our hands to God and say, no matter what, no matter what, we will preach the truth and nothing but the truth from this pulpit. So help us God without fear of favor of man. And I would assure you, my friend, and Pastor Philip will also do the same, I'm sure. As long as we are the senior pastors, we will always preach the truth from the word of God without fear of favor of man. I guarantee you that. This was the problem, you see, of the Church of Pergamum. What was your assurance? Not if, uh, when they overcome, and Jesus expects us to overcome, what are the three blessings? And here they are. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17 says, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, in other words, who overcomes, and we are expected to overcome, Jesus says, I'll give you three blessings. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one 
who receives it. The first blessing. Promised to you and to me by Jesus himself when we overcome. Number one, he's going to give us some hidden manner. What is hidden manner? Hidden manner means spiritual food direct from the king's table. It means spiritual secret revelations direct from the throne room of God downloaded to us. In other words, when SIBKL overcomes, when SIB Skyline overcomes, God is going to give us wonderful manna from the pulpit. Remember, we consecrated a pulpit to God. Let us be faithful. And as we begin to speak and preach every week, God is going to give us hidden manna. Don't you want that? The blessing of the hidden manna is the anointing of Asher. What do I mean? Many years ago, I remember doing a series of teachings on the 12 tribes of Israel. My favorite tribe is Issachar, by the way. And those of you from Skyline will go and get the book from your senior pastor who wrote the book, The Call of Issachar. But when he came to Asher, Jacob blessed every one of the 12 tribes. When he came to Asher, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 20, Jacob prophesied. One verse. Asher's food will be rich and he will provide delicacies fit for a king. In other words, Asher, if you follow me, Asher means blessedness. Asher, if you follow me, S-I-B-K-L, if you follow me, as I be skyline, if you follow me, your food will be rich. It will be directly from the king's table and you will provide your congregation delicacy, spiritual food, fit for the king. I will bless you with a hidden manner. Don't we want that? Secondly, when we overcome, we will be given the white stone. What is the white stone? It is the Urim. You see, when a high priest has got an issue and not sure what to do, he's got two stones, the Urim, the white stone, and the Tumim, the black stone, in his pocket. He then goes before the Lord and asks God for direction and if the white stone lights up, it's a yes. If the black stone lights up, it is a no. Jesus says, when you overcome church, I will guarantee you divine guidance. I will tell you what is yes. I will tell you what is no. Don't we want that? In other words, we will not second guess. We will know exactly what the will of God is. I don't know about you, but I need it. As I pastor the church, Pastor Philip needs it. We need to seek direction from God. Businessmen, don't you need it? God will tell you what to do. Student, don't you need it to 
chart your career? Why young adults? Don't you need it so that the Lord will tell you who to marry? Parents, don't you need it? God will tell you how to parent your children. In other words, God said, when you overcome, I will give you divine guidance. Wow. But the third blessing is the best. Jesus says to the church of Pergamum and says to you and to me, when you overcome, I will give you secrets from the throne room of God. I will whisper to you secrets that are in my heart. I will give you divine guidance. But I will be so close to you. I will give you a new name, not only to you and to me. In other words, you know now when I call you, you know, you know, my father, before he passed away, calls me by a name that only I know. I won't tell you what it is. So when he calls me by that, by that name, the pet name, I know it is the voice of my dad. Yes, dad. You know, Pastor Lee Chu also got a pet name from God. You ask her what it is. Huh? So Jesus says, if you overcome, I will call you by a pet name. Only you know. Nobody else knows. So that my sheep hear my voice. And I know them by name. The Lord will see you and treat you as his treasured possession. But you must overcome. So let me close. My prayer for you and for me today, even as we close this session, is that we will remain true to the Lord. We will not be distracted by false teachings. We will not be distracted by things that tickle our ears. We will overcome. And then when we do that, the Lord will share with us what is in His heart, what is in His, what burdens Him. He will guide us one step at a time, Lanka Demi Lanka. And He will hold us close to His heart because He will give us a new name. Only we and Him knows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I want to bless you for this, with this word. I want to bless you for this word that you have spoken to us and to the body of Christ in Malaysia, to everyone who hears this, that truly, Father Lord, we will not give in again and again, O oh God, that you want us to remain faithful to you. O oh God, that we will not be faithful at one time and lose it, but we will continue to be faithful to you. O oh God, help us, Lord, to stay the course so that we will not be distracted and be led astray but we will stick close to your word, O oh God, that we will overcome, we will overcome by the truth because it is the truth, O oh God, that will set us free. So God, I want to pray for all of us today, Lord, that we will be faithful to you to the very end. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, that's our desire, Lord. Our only desire is to honour you. Thank you, Father. Let's all worship the Lord with this wonderful song as we close. Oh, Father God, we remember what you said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
So help us, Father Lord, never to deviate from the truth for any cause, any reason, any hidden agenda, whether it be ambition, whether it be for monetary gain, or whether it be for popularity. But help us always to be truthful to you, God. Help us, Lord, never to compromise, never to give in to deception, but instead live a life that is truthful and faithful to the testimony of Jesus so that at the end of the day, Father Lord, we finish well, we finish well and every step of the way, we hear the still small voice of the Father guiding us, leading us, commanding us. The hidden manna, the white stone and a new name. Help us, God, to do that to finish well, to finish well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So once again, I pray for those of us who are going through difficult days. We pray, God, that you will enable us to stay strong, remain faithful. Whatever the challenges that lie ahead of us, help us, Lord, to be strong, and so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and your loved ones and always grant you shalom. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.